I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Uh, today's, uh, today we are going to be talking about a Disney animated movie that features a lot of songs by Lin-Manuel Miranda. But before no. we get... No, I can't take the earworms, no! Yeah, but, uh, before we get to that, um, we need to talk about Bruno. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno from Encanto is the highest charting Disney song of the last 25 years. As of this recording, Bruno has reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and has hit number one in the UK. I mean, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Beating out the previous highest charting song of the last 25 years, Let It Go from Frozen. So Bruno beats Elsa. Lin-Manuel Miranda has beaten the Lopez's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we thought nothing would beat the Lopez's. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's not the highest charting song of all time. Uh, again, as of right now, Bruno's number two. Previously, we've had uh, the highest charts at number four being Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. And Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. The highest charting Disney song of all time is A Whole New World from Aladdin, which peaked at number one. Now, there's still a chance that Bruno could go to number one. But, again, it's... Who knows what's going to happen. Then it would be, you know, top-tier Disney songs. And... Just going to say that as we are all lying in our graves, still having this song rummage around in our skulls, you will be eating those words, my friend, because this this song will outlive the entire human race. You know, someone at Disney is thinking about doing the Bruno spinoff movie or the or the spinoff Disney Plus original series. Um, they were actually discussing that on Good Morning America just days before we recorded this. So, uh, with John Leguizamo, they were asking John Leguizamo and Lin-Manuel Miranda, are you considering writing a Bruno, Bruno spinoff movie? And the both of them were like, you're going to have to test Disney. We will do whatever the mouse commands. So. Disney Plus original series, the telenovela. Of the rats. <laughs> I would watch that so much. You have no idea. So Just get of- that chick from TikTok to like write it. <laughs> I am obsessed with that chick from TikTok who does the continuing story of Dolores listening to Bruno and the rats in the walls. Nikki Marina. <laughs> yes. 
Or Juanita, should I tell Carlos who's the real father of the baby? <laughs> Dolores, I hope that you are listening to something that is very important. Yeah, of course. I wonder if it's the mailman. Oh my goodness, I love her so much. If you are on TikTok or YouTube, look her up. And, you know, Dolores listening to Bruno's telenovela in the walls. N-I-C-Q-U-E-M-A-R-I-N-A. Nikki Marina. She is hilarious. Yeah, she is so funny. But, yeah, this is... uh, you, You know, Tuesday, that I have said that I cannot stop singing the Bruno song because it's in my brain. Every time I wake up and will not leave uh, for weeks now. Since the movie came out, that was on Disney Plus back on Christmas. So, yeah. That's yeah, about a month, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it. it is insidious and will not go away. And, of course, the other song that is now charting. Surface Pressure, which is now, as of this recording, number 10 on the charts. Yeah, that one is is also will not leave my brain that um specifically the version that was put up on youtube oh yeah she did a cover the jazz a, cover yeah a jazzy cover yeah give it to your sister your sister's older give her all the heavy things we get shoulder who am i here i can't run with the um and that one i just love the vibe of it's very it's just her and a upright bass it is so good and uh just yesterday uh, as of what we were recording this episode uh on tiktok she released a punk rock version (gasps) i have not heard that yet there is a group on youtube called the punk rock factory and their thing is they're doing they do punk rock covers of songs that are generally not punk rock like, and they mostly have done disney songs they did it uh, they released an entire album of punk rock covers of disney songs last year they recently released a it's about 26 second video clip on tiktok of them doing surface pressure and all of a sudden here's uh the voice of louisa doing the lyrics Hopefully a full version will be out there in the near future. Oh, they they definitely need to do a full version of that then. But yeah, those are the two songs. I mean, all the, the songs are good. Because um, it's Lin-Manuel and I do like his work. But those two songs specifically are just so earwormy. So let's move on to uh, another Disney animated movie with songs by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Our main feature, Moana. Yeah, I think we kind of picked this hoping it would get get the Encanto songs out of our heads. Not, it did not work. <laughs> it, did, it did not work. Good songs did not work. This movie is rooted deep in the in Polynesian culture as there's, you know... Several characters in this movie are Polynesian gods, including one of the main characters, Maui. Yeah. Well, demigod, but... Demigod. 
the um you know if if hercules is a god then you know maui is the same level that's a movie i would want to see yeah hercules meets maui hercules meets maui (laughs) they're still in thor there too (laughs) yeah although thor is just you know a god this is just total polynesian mythology culture all all over it's really kind of interesting um the directors were trying to do another thing it's the same team that directed princess and the frog clements and musker we've talked about them before and then they tried to do something totally different uh they tried to get a hold of the rights to the terry pratchett novel mort they were unsuccessful i am so very glad of that disney's disc world (laughs) please no (laughs) if there is anything i am a fan of more than disney stuff it is pratchett stuff and i would very much like the two of those things to never ever ever mix don't you want to meet these characters at disneyland (laughs) no (laughs) never (laughs) if there is any two things that would mix like oil and water it is terry pratchett and disney (laughs) And when that didn't happen, they were like, okay, so to prevent us losing the rights to a property again and scuttling all our work, we're going to come up with a original, um, you know, it's, it's back to the thing we always talk about Disney doing. Let's take a copyright-free property and make it Disney. So we can copyright it. And this time they were like, well, how about Polynesian mythology? And that's what they did. So they started reading up on Polynesian mythology and they went and talked to this uh, New Zealand guy that was kind of up and coming. Named Taiko Itidi. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, hey, you're a Polynesian guy. <laughs> Why don't you write us a script? And uh, so he did. And then they did not use that script at all. He later joked that the only thing left from his original script was exterior, ocean, day. Yeah, so they've got uh, some Polynesian mythology in there, um, specifically Maui, the uh, Tefiti uh, Teka stuff in there just kind of the general idea of you know wayfinding and voyaging various other cultural 
that they've put in there, which, sadly, neither of us are really particularly culturally literate enough to terribly speak to, unfortunately. I mean, um, that's kind of why I kind of like that Disney is going more uh, exploring different cultures for their more recent films to kind of introduce that culture to people who may not know much about them, you know, to maybe spark a bit of interest. Yeah, and it really is because um, it is kind of there for, you know, people who are like, you know, clueless mainlander Americans who are like, Maui, isn't that just the name of an island? You know, it's, it's that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Maui, isn't that a vacation spot? And then you're like, oh, no, there's like a whole, you know, it's named after a demigod and there's a whole mythology there. And, uh, you know, maybe if you want an interesting deep dive, you can look up some of those stories. Or not. Uh, <laughs> Just for but, the purposes, uh, just I'll, I'll put that out there. Um, we did some research before going into this episode. Um, if 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 you value your brain, do not look up how Maui died. <laughs> or I don't know. Maybe we're like two or three or ten years into a pandemic by this point because time is meaningless and I've lost track and um, our brains are meaningless so totally go look up how Maui died. <laughs> All I'm going to say is that we're not going to be seeing that adapted into any kind of Moana sequel or this upcoming series anytime soon. Yeah, Disney is not touching that story. <laughs> Much like the uh, more recent films that Disney has been doing, they did a good job trying to make sure that a lot of the people who worked on the film were representative of the people they were trying to represent in the film. So, uh, especially with the cast... Mm -hmm. They uh, made sure that pretty much all of them were of Polynesian descent. You have Samoan, you have Hawaiian, a few New Zealanders. Yeah, um, specifically Maori heritage there, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, One so, white guy. <laughs> yeah, white. Then, you we'll got, then you got Alan Tudyk, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, a token white guy. <laughs> Just like in Encanto, where you have, like, an entire Latino cast and Alan Tudyk. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's just going to happen now. <laughs> it's going to be like, <laughs> here's a really interesting cast of people who are who have never been represented in a Disney movie before and Alan Tudyk. <laughs> He's been Disney's good luck charm for the last several films. So I mean, yeah. he was in Zootopia and and uh, and Frozen. So it's like if, if, if Disney's not really going to make an animated film without Alan Tudyk in it in some capacity. But you know what? I I think it's kind of okay. You know, 
I mean, we've spent how many decades of, it's with like, what, a century of film where you get, like, one token person of color, if that, in film? I think we're we're okay of having a few films here and there where it's, like, you know, an entire cast that are, you know, underrepresented minority groups, and one token white guy who does an animal noise, you know? <laughs> Aside from Alan Tudyk, do we want to talk about who's in this film? Uh, yeah, let's talk about our, our cast. Um, probably the biggest star in this movie that would be Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Maui, the biggest he, actor in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely the, the stunt cast, at least for most audiences. I think he probably had the most international appeal. Because everybody loves professional wrestling. Definitely got that. But of course, um, Maui and I think the thing that surprised me most was not that he was cast in this film, but that he had a song in it. I mean, The, the Rock has song in, in wrestling. Yeah. He's, he's done music before, even before he became an, an actor. And of course, there's the big song with Tech 9 that he did last year. It's about drive, it's about power. We stay hungry, we devour. Put in the work, put in the hours, and take what's out. Yes, but I remember those, the wrestling song ones, you know? And there's, like, big quotes around that. I'm talking about, like, a Disney song where you're expected to actually be able to sing. We we both know the history of, of singing and wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest with ourselves there. I was talking you're about, that, like... You're saying you don't want the honky-tonk man to sing his song in a Disney movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about like an actual Disney musical song written by a guy from Broadway. <laughs> um, that was the thing that that surprised me, and the fact that he's not the best singer in the film, but it, he holds his own, and that surprised me. So, br bravo, bravo to you, Dewey. Okay, so as our title character Moana, we have Ali'i Cravalho, and uh, this was actually her first part. Can you imagine just being like, hi, you know, I'm just, you know, here. Normal, you know, normal person, and then now I'm a Disney princess. And when you're a Disney princess, you're a Disney princess forever. Yeah, so that, that, that does not go away. And so, yeah, I mean, you auditioned for a part, and now you are this part forever. That, and the cool thing is that they had already designed the character, because she was cast really late in the process, apparently. Um, cause they, they had so many people audition and she was cast right toward the end cause they were having trouble whittling it down. So they had already designed the look of the character and then she got cast and they were like, here's what the character's going to look like that you're going to be playing. And 
they were like, oh, we accidentally cast a person who looks exactly like this character model. Because <laughs> she really does. If you've ever seen that would be a thing. Looks... Can you imagine? I mean, uh, that I mean, we've seen things like 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 Johnny Depp has gone into the Disney parks dressed as Jack Sparrow, dressed as the Mad Hatter. She could easily dress as Moana and just meet meet people, and no one would know be her because she looks so much like the character. Yeah, she has actually done. She did a couple of things when the movie came out where she kind of dressed up like Moana and did um some like hula dances and stuff. Oh. Um so there's there's actually some video out there of her like in very similar costume to Moana and stuff. But like for like not like in the park being like, you know, stealthy about it, but like um, you know, for like official events and stuff where they're like, and now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, she she really uh, did. the The cool thing is that um, when they did the um, Hawaiian language dub of the movie, she also did the voice of Moana for that. So playing her grandma, um, Tala, is Rachel House, and she's gonna be familiar to uh, Marvel fans as the character of Topaz from Thor Ragnarok. She the Grandmaster's is, right hand, yeah. Yeah, she's the bodyguard for the Grandmaster that keeps trying to melt people in the melt stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also she did voice acting in um, the film Soul for Pixar as the character of Terry. Hmm. So, um, you know, she she keeps coming back to to disney but she has i i kind of do wonder if she uh might have been recommended by taika waititi when he was working on the film still because she works with taika waititi a lot because she's also a um new zealand actor she's a maori actor and um so she she works with him because he uses a lot of maori actors um in his work that's a thing and that's how she ended up in um ragnarok so uh i do kind of you know wonder if it was just they were looking for polynesian actors and she got cast that way or if they wanted specifically a maori actor um to play their grandmother and you know maybe Taika or one of the other Maori actors in the the movie suggested her, but she does such a good job. I I think the grandmother is maybe my favorite character in the movie. Um, Honestly, yeah, she 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 gives no ads. She fully embraces the the title of the village crazy lady. And then uh, as her her son and uh, Moana's father, the chief of uh, Motunui. Uh, we have uh, Timur Morrison, also known as Boba Fett and Django Fett. Uh, can you imagine that? Your father's Boba Fett and your grandmother's Topaz. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have a very cool family. The uh, singing voice for that being provided by uh, Christopher Jackson. We get the awesome... Jermaine Clement 
as Tamatoa, the giant crab that uh I'll fly is, to the Concords, yeah. Yeah, um Fly to the Concords and another one that uh works a lot with Taika Waititi, so I uh I kinda wonder if some of these were holdovers from when Taika was working on the movie or not. Um but all three of the actors that I just mentioned, uh, Rachel House, Timur Morrison, and Jermaine Clement, um, also did the voices for their characters in the Maori uh, language version of the film. And then as uh, Moana's mother, we get Nicole Scherzinger, which was interesting to me. She is kind of best known for being the lead singer of the band the pussycat dolls and then she was on the x factor in the u.s and the uk she shows up on you know mass singer she won dancing with the stars you know those kind of things but that the reason why I kind of, you know, when I was watching the, the film and I was like, okay, I kind of recognize all these things. But then her name came up and I thought, you know, there's all these Polynesian actors in the movie and everything. And that's how I found out that she's Hawaiian. A native, and I did yeah. not know that about her. Yeah. Born on Hawaii, uh, born in Hawaii, but uh, grew up in the, in the in Kentucky. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, as uh, as you mentioned, she's native to Hawaii and did the Hawaiian dub of her character. Yeah. So that is really cool. I think it's because of the last name. You don't really identify that with being a Polynesian. Yeah, but uh, one of one of her her names is Alikolani. So you know. <laughs> um, that is kind of in her in her name there so that's part of her hawaiian heritage there you know and then like we said alan tudyk. then you got your alan tudyk <laughs> um have but, some candy yeah who yeah who is who is not only um hey hey the rooster but also the man who suggests that they eat hey hey the rooster <laughs> Uh, which I love. But uh this this film also I'm just going to mention it now because I just I have to mention it. This film and the recording of this film has given us blessed us with the fa my favorite few seconds of Alan Tudyk ever. I went to Julia. I, ju I just love that that moment of just chicken noises. I went to Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I think there is a moment like that for every like seriously trained actor out there. And I think there exists like some outtake footage for every actor out out there that I love. Where it's just like, you know, some ridiculous moment they're doing. And then they just have that realization of like, 
I am a classically trained actor, and this is my job now. <laughs> so let's get into the story here. So th- I want to talk about this opening, the uh, the kind of uh, 2D kind of uh, construction paper-like look of the animation of the story of Tefiti and Maui. I mean, I just like the way it looks. I mean, it's a nice little storytelling, and it fits into the way the 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 art is done when we get to the quote real world of the movie. So we have Tefiti. She is the goddess. Of, she's this island goddess, and she is given the gift of life to the world. But everyone wants the heart of Tefiti, which is supposed to give life or immortality or something. Everyone tries to take it. Only one succeeded, and that will be Maui. Straight up said a trickster. So, you know, that the Loki thing kind of uh, adds up here. A trickster and a shapeshifter. Well, you know, it is interesting because that is one of the most common tropes in mythology across pretty much every culture. Is that there is the trickster archetype, and it is typically also a shapeshifter archetype. It is interesting to find it here, and it's very similar in the fact of, you know, Marvel kind of screws this up. And we did talk about that a little bit um, over the course of, you know... Talking about Thor and the Avengers and the Loki series and all that kind of stuff. But they get it more correct in Moana. Typically, in most cultures, not all, but in most cultures, the trickster is not necessarily a straight-up villain. Marvel kind of screwed this up in the initial comics when they just were like, and here's Loki, he's a mustache twirling villain. Um, and then the the films kind of realized like, oh yeah, the comics kind of screwed that up initially. So let's not make that same mistake in the films. Which thank you for that, uh filmmakers. That was a mistake that needed correcting, and thank you for correcting that. Um Moana realizes that Maui is a trickster but he's also a frequently heroic figure hero of men the hero of men and women the hero of all he does all of these things because he wants to give back to humanity and it's a very sad you know we hear maui's story how he was abandoned by his family taken in by the gods and given his power and that he just wants to be loved so he does all of these things, bringing humans fire, bringing humans trees, and all of these things. And the reason he stole the heart of Tefiti was to give people immortality so they would love him. Which, it's kind of a, a sad little backstory here for Maui, because, you know, he he never really knew who, his family saw him. When they, when they saw him, they threw him away, literally threw him away. And all he wanted, all he wants is someone to love him. So he does all these things just for that. And it's, you feel for Maui. It gives a little, it gives a little bit of uh, rounding out the character, as it were. 
and you know you just want this guy to to succeed even though he is cocky and arrogant and kind of a Richard at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that one of the things I love about Moana as a film and actually about a lot of the modern Disney movies, which we've talked about a little bit as we've gotten more into the modern Disney movies, is that there are no straight-up villains, but there are multiple accidental villains. And Maui is one of them. Maui is a villain, but Maui never meant to be a villain. Maui was intending to do something good for humanity. And in doing so, Maui hurt both Tafiti and humanity. He put the world at risk. The yeah. world, in, in this story, the world is dying because of Maui. There are islands that are there, you know, we see it in on Matanui where the coconuts are rotting from the inside. We're seeing neighboring islands that are getting covered in black. Like, Maui had good intentions, but in doing the action, he has doomed so many. Yeah, the, and the fish are dying, the, yeah, the plants are dying, the... The world is dying. Yeah. And I think on some level you can identify with that because how, how many times has anyone done something with good intentions and it's gone wrong? And he wanted to give humanity more control over creation. It, wouldn't it be good if humans could intentionally create things? And that's whole Tafiti's thing. She is this creation. She created the islands that human that, that the people are living on. So Maui wants to give that power to the people so they can create their own whatever. Yeah, and I mean in charge of their own destiny, as it were. Yeah. And in doing so, you know, he ends up dooming humanity accidentally. I don't know how to lead into this, so I'm just going to say it. Maui violated Tafiti. Am I wrong? I mean, you're you're not. So, and I have seen people make a few articles and people have made videos and how some have seen this and maybe, it, I don't know if this was intentional or not, as an, as an analogy for assault. Now, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but a man sneaking up on a female presenting character, taking a personal item of theirs... Just because he could. Now, again, Maui's intentions were pure because he wanted to give it to the people. But he still violated Tafiti. And, I mean, it is a very common reading. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much there. And it is, I mean, you know, let's go ahead and skip to the end here. 
it is very meaningful, you know, while there is a fight scene at the end, you know, because they do not know at first that Tafiti and Taka are the same being, that once Moana realizes that, that the resolution is not violence, but it is recognition of two women that suddenly Maui is removed from the story for a moment and that the violence stops and that it is a moment of recognition and it is a moment of recognition of trauma and it is Moana speaking to that trauma. She straight and up says that uh, Moana straight up says that you've been hurt, but it doesn't it doesn't have to define you. You don't have to be this way because of this. And yeah, and, from what and, from the way the story is presented, this has been going on for a thousand years. Tafiti has been Teka for a thousand years, and that is what, and we're just at the zenith of the trauma affecting the world. You know, it is it is more a recognition of grief. I don't know, giving, you know, yes, there is that, like, you know, returning what was stolen moment but it's also the kind of remembering who you are and c calling her by her true name again moana sees tafiti or taka you know not for the monster that maui accidentally uh, made her but you know, for Tefiti, she sees Tefiti under underneath that pain, which is an incredibly beautiful moment. This was—I was not expecting this when I first saw the movie. You know, when when it was when it first came out, and you know, seeing it in the theater and all that kind of stuff, and. Man, when I first saw this film <laughs> and this moment hit, I, you know, whew. It, yeah. yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, as a, I mean, let's not beat the brown the bush. As a woman, how did you feel about all of that? Um, I mean, it's it's not just as as a woman, but. You know, it, it's a it's like as a woman with personal history, <laughs> um, it 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 hit it hit a certain way, and it hit like a absolute Mack truck, which is I'm not entirely sure if it was completely intentional by the apparently. Entirely male writing team <laughs> that created this story. I do not know. 
But um, intentional or not, it is the way it hit for me. And it is one of my favorite Disney moments of like the last 10 years because of that. And they're, you know, I mean, if I was still writing academic, you know, treatises on stuff, I, I could certainly unpack volumes on this moment alone uh, because of it. But bravo to them for this, because this kind of one thread of storyline is incredibly powerful uh, for it, all of all of those reasons. And of course, you know, it kind of there's my favorite moment at that end is when Tafiti is just giving the death glare to uh, to Maui as he's trying to. Hey, Tafiti, how you doing? And she's like, mm. Yeah, but I do like that they do have him take responsibility. Yeah, he takes responsibility and that he genuinely does say that he's sorry and that he says that he has no defense. He did a thing he should not have done. He doesn't try to mitigate it with, but you see, I was trying to do something nice for the humans. And, you know, once he realizes the damage he caused, he doesn't try to mitigate it. I screwed up. That is on me. I take responsibility. End of story. And that seems to be enough for Tafiti because she fixes the, the broken hook. Yeah, and I think that she does realize that he has learned a lesson and that he did not do so out of malice or greed initially. I think if he had, it would have been a different story. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he did it because he was trying to help humanity and in doing so, doomed the world and was, you know banished to an island for a thousand years but throughout the course of the movie uh maui learns you know it's it's uh maui gets that bit of humility because number one he finds out that the chosen champion of the ocean is this teenage girl who's never sailed a boat in her life and on top of that, and then he has to follow her throughout this entire adventure. And then it's also the sacrifice that he, you know, he abandons her because he, she doesn't listen to him. But at the same time, he goes back, sacrificing his own power just to make sure because at the end of it, you know, throughout this whole movie, you're thinking... The prophecy says Maui must return the heart of Tafiti. But it's at that end where they realize it's not. Moana has to do it. And it's Maui that sacrifices his own his own self, his own life, his own power to make sure Moana gets there and does and returns the heart and all of this stuff happens. 
and at the end he's cool with it you know he's there's peace there it's like you know uh he goes through the whole thing you know without my hook i'm not maui and even though moana is trying to tell him you know you don't need the hook to be maui and at the end he says hook or no hook i'm still maui so there's that little bit of humility that look into his own self to say that whether i have my powers or not i'm still maui I'm still this person who will do anything for humanity. And it's a nice little lesson learned there. And then again, he apologizes to Tafiti and she, you know, forgives him and gives him back his power. It's a nice little moment. I think that there is something interesting that happens right at the end which is and I didn't personally notice it until this watch through you talk about Maui's sacrifice and how he abandons Moana because he wants to keep his hook and his hook is damaged and then he comes back and he comes back at the end and he fights Tekka and his hook is damaged and he realizes like okay I'm not Maui of great power anymore. I got nothing left, but Moana needs to get to the top of this mountain and return the stone. So I need to distract Teka so that Moana can do what she needs to do. But he knows that this will probably be his final act. Yeah, no powers, no nothing, just him. And what does he do as his final act? The haka! He does a haka. I love how that's animated. It's so beautifully animated. And I can't imagine anything more perfect as Maui's final act. Because you want to talk about a movie that steeped in the culture, you know? hmm And it's like, what, what, do we, what do we do? We do the dance that is used for, like, every great important function. Battles, uh, weddings, funerals. <laughs> Uh, sporting events you know it's like an honored guest has arrived like it's just like no matter what it is let's do the haka you know like yeah um and it's like well what do i need this will be my greatest and final achievement if i pull it off what am i gonna do a haka and it's just like, oh, man. And I guess I was always, like, staring at whatever Taka was doing in the, that moment. And so I never noticed what it was Maui was doing other than, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. Again, beautifully animated. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, Moana's journey. Yeah, Moana, we start, Moana's journey starts with her as a baby. She is a baby Moana. Okay, little baby Moana. 
Yes, apparently they thought this design was so cute and cuddly that they reused it. This is uh, the little baby at the end of Ralph Breaks the Internet is the same character model. I think it's just that all babies look alike. I know everybody's like, no, my baby's like the most adorable, but like, no, no, they all, they're all just like lumps of shape. (laughs) But yeah, from even as a baby, a little baby, she loves the ocean. She wants to go to the ocean, go in the water, collect shells at the beach. And her father is very much against this. Don't go into the reef. Don't leave the island. We don't leave the island. No one leaves the island. And Stop first, trying to drown yourself, kid. Yeah. Da- There's no lifeguard on duty. But yeah, uh, Moana's father is very much, you know, this is our island. Everything you need is here. And one day, you, you know, you... you know, she, you know, Moana's father straight up says, you know, one day you are going to take my spot as chief. So these people are going to need you to lead them one day. And that's what he he teaches her to be, is teaches her to be a leader. But that, that, that itch is always there with Moana to go into the water. She steals boats, she tries to get out there, and and... And all it does is forces her father to put more responsibilities of the chieftain onto her. Thinking that if she has all of these responsibilities, if people come to her with their problems, she won't have time to go into the water. But that doesn't work. And one way or another, she always ends up trying to get on a boat and get out into the water. And we learn, I mean, when we learn more about Moana's father, his own tragic backstory, and how he was, you know, he sees himself in Moana, just like he himself at one point wanted to go into the water and explore, just like Moana does. It cost him his friend's life. His friend drowned as they stole a boat to go out into the water. And since then, he's been, nope, no sailing, no one sails, no one leaves this island. My daughter will not become me, you know, and essentially. She will not, uh, the grandmother says, you know, he couldn't save his friend that day, so he's trying to save you. I understand that from, from a storytelling, you know, I understand Moana's father want, not wanting to have, you know, to lose his daughter the way he lost his friend. But Moana is also that free spirit that she's going to do whatever she wants to do regardless if anyone tells her to do it or not. But also, as she is putting, getting these responsibilities put on her by her father, she's actually pretty good at it. Yeah. I mean, Moana is actually a pretty natural leader as the, the people keep coming to her with their problems. It's like, hey, the, 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 the trees are dying. What do we do? Well, let's plant some new trees over there, clear out the dead trees, and we'll figure the rest out. So, yeah. like, pretty early in the movie, it's established that Moana has is a natural leader and that when the time comes, she will be a great chief. It's just that her desire is to leave the island. 
so that's the the conflict there is that her people need her and that she will be a great chief one day but that's not where she wants to stay and that gets a lot of people upset with her mostly her own family yeah i think that um chief tui is interestingly another one of our accidental villains because you can definitely tell that he wants the best for his daughter and his people and you can absolutely understand where he's coming from but he also you know not to compare it to another disney ocean movie but he comes off a little bit like king triton you know Mm -hmm. as like maybe just listen to your daughter a little bit she might have a point here he doesn't quite come as close to losing his daughter as triton did although i guess you could argue that maybe triton did sort of lose his daughter more permanently because depends if you cut the sequels as canon or not (laughs) yeah um but the problem being that the direct conflict is that Moana definitely started off more reserved and with simple good ideas. You know, let's go just a little bit beyond the reef. You know, let, let's try fishing just a little farther out. Let's try just changing slightly some of our traditions and you know i mean granted mystical quest aside maybe if he'd have listened to those things she may have been content uh probably you know still the the mystical quest and the whole you know dying world thing probably would have still intervened but the problem being that he still ended up being the accidental villain who almost would have doomed the world because there comes that point where he finds out like oh she found the cave full of boats she might try to take one i'm gonna go burn the boats down well what would have happened had he burned those boats he probably would have doomed the world there's a thought in my brain that maybe at one point Tui was meant to be the champion. Because he also, since there's so much of that rebellious streak in Tui as a young man wanting to go and explore like Moana does, but the the death of his friend changed his desire, you know? It's, I mean, it's not too far-fetched an idea. I mean, maybe. Maybe. But it's it's also when he's confronted with the heart of Tefiti. She find you know the the ocean gives Moana the heart of Tefiti, and he's just he literally throws it away. You know, there's you know the thing that will save the world, and he's throwing it away because he can't see the bigger picture in that moment. Yeah, he's it, he's too scared. Yeah, and honestly, if it hadn't been for Grandma choosing that moment to die. You know, the world would have been doomed because this one guy decides to burn all the boats, you know? Mm-hmm. Grandma here is like, 
the best character in this movie. I'm sorry, she is. Yeah, like, she's great. I love that she's like, I'm the village crazy woman. I just get to do whatever I want. Can I, can I have, how do I apply for that job? To be the, the village crazy lady that gets to do whatever she wants and say whatever she wants? Yes. It really is almost like Sophia and Golden Girls. Yeah. But yeah, she's just, you know, I assume at, at some point she was either the chief or her husband was the chief or something. Yeah, I'm guessing her husband, because he says that his father placed a rock on there and his father before him. So I have the feeling that Moana is like the first girl in the line. Yeah, she sees that 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 want to go out into the world. And she seems to be the only member of the old generation that remembers when their people used to be explorers. It's possibly why she's seen as the crazy lady, because she's the only one that remembers that past. The only person on that island who is old enough to remember the old days. You know, she even says her tattoo is that of a manta ray. Because when she dies, she wants to come back as a manta ray and explore the oceans. Everyone else sees it's crazy because, hey, everything we have is on the island. Why don't you want to be one of the island animals and stay here forever? So the the story that the grandmother shows Moana just before she's supposed to have the ceremony and ascend as chief is that the grandmother shows her this cave that has the backstory of the of her people and it's been sealed up but it has all the ships in there and the grandmother says that they were voyagers until Maui stole the thing the Tartatapiti mm-hmm. and then because of Teka, so because of the volcanoes, the ocean became too dangerous. So the volcanoes brought the monsters, and now the ocean is too dangerous. That was a thousand years ago. So this cave and these boats have been sealed up for a thousand years. Still in pretty good condition for a thousand-year-old boat, you know? True. but And, that, and that's salt water in that cave. Oh, yeah. So, the thing is, is that the grandmother, maybe I guess she's just the latest in a line of people who have been kind of like the resistance, I guess, keeping this story alive so that it doesn't die. Mm. And I guess every generation has, like, the one crazy person that's like, okay, you're keeping the real history alive. Find somebody that's, like, you know, the one person who knows. So that means for what? Like, ten generations. This has been hidden from the people. I mean, I know this is, you know, it's Disney and it's mythology and everything, but it's just like... These are really well-preserved boats for a thousand-year-old boats. Yep. (laughs) 
And I love how her final words to Moana as she's, you know, dying. It's saying, you find Maui, you grab him by the ear and you drag him and you say, I am Moana. He will board my boat and return the heart of Tafiti. It's like, like, you be defiant. You are defiant to the end and be that way. And I love, I, that's one of the reasons I love this grandmother character. Of all the Disney grandmas, she's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's like, you be defiant, you be rebellious. I taught you to be that. Of course, you know, the joke is, you know, hello, my name is Moana of Matanui. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that over the course of the film, that phrase changes. And she says it over and over again. I will find Maui. You will board my boat. And once Maui abandons her, she says, you know what? I am aboard my boat. I will return the heart of Tafiti. If no one will help me, I'll do it myself. And I love that moment. And it's and both of these of those moments involve the grandmother. Because when we yeah. get to, you know, when we get to the big part of how far I'll go, we see the the go the the spirit manta ray below her kind of guiding her as you know as uh grandma got what she wanted she get reincarnated as a as a manta ray yeah and then at the end where the man you know she, the manta ray comes back and briefly turns into the ghost of her grandmother to kind of give her that boost it's like who are you and you get that i am moana it's a great moment and she just, you know, I'm going to do it myself. Can she be my grandma, too? Yeah, it's it's such a cool moment. The coolest thing about Moana, though, is that the whole time on her journey, she keeps doing things, especially once she meets Maui. And Maui just keeps going like, well, that's the end of that girl, and then she just keeps showing back up. And sometimes it's with the ocean, but a lot of times it's just her. You yeah, know, she... he shoves her in the cave, and she just kind of parkours her way out of the cave. She fights her way off the uh, the little coconut people's boat. Yeah, and he's, he's like, they're just gonna kill you, and she ends up just fighting them off. Um... He's like, well, we're going to go into the realm of monsters. And he dives in. She's like, okay, then. And she just goes into the, you know. Then, you know, Maui starts getting his butt kicked. And she's like, okay, I'm going to trick the giant crab, you know. Mm -hmm. As a uh, diversion. Yeah. I, th I think my favorite part of that whole scene though has to be the, the line about like are you trying to make me talk about myself well I will in song you know <laughs> by, by Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> yeah I would love to talk about myself in a song by Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, I wonder if uh, you know let, let's pull our resources and we'll have Lin-Manuel write, write a song about you and your life and then we'll perform it in, in a Disney movie you know I would let if if uh, if Bruno has taught us anything, I would let Lin Manuel talk about what an absolute disaster I am. As long as it is a world destroying banger, <laughs> I was like, okay, 
<laughs> you go ahead and talk about what a complete mess of a human being I am. As long as it takes over the world, you go ahead <laughs> and absolutely destroy me in song, Lynn Manuel. <laughs> yep. And uh, I guess our third main protagonist of this story, the ocean. The ocean is sentient and is Moana's friend and has been Moana's friend since she was a baby. Yeah, I liked I liked the personification of the ocean. I mean, I know that there are ocean gods of all of all denominations. I would have liked if they had had that personification in here, but the ocean just being sentient as a non-speaking character works more in this movie than it would have been if it was an actual physical speaking character. Well, I mean, who's to say that it's not, though? I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be human-shaped to be a personification. I mean, I was thinking, um, uh, say, more of a, as a, a water god. But, again, that's a personal preference, but the way this movie personifies the ocean works more than that would have worked in the context of this story. Yeah. I mean, the thing about like personifying the the ocean in that way is like Moana herself is just named ocean because that's just what the word means Hawaiian and in Maori and in a couple of other Polynesian languages that's just the word for ocean so she's already a personification of the ocean. <laughs> Which um, makes you wonder, why would a chief who wants to have everyone stay on the island name her daughter after the ocean? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Here, ocean, stay on the land. You know, which is funny and ironic. But I think, you know, I I don't, of course, know anything about the Polynesian gods themselves, you know. But I always kind of watched, watching it, just kind of thought it was kind of supposed to be some form of god that just was working through the ocean. I guess. I don't know. Possible. Maybe that's just me. But I think it would have it would have been kind of too too much maybe for another character. The cool thing about it though is that I liked that the ocean was just like no, 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 no. I have had enough of you people. We are we are getting this stuff done yeah no maui you're staying on this boat yeah this is moana no no hey hey you're gonna stay in this bucket you're gonna stay in the bottom of this boat tired of you 
the funny thing about Hey Hey and the boat is that recently, um, completely unrelatedly to us watching this movie, is that recently I have been playing a video game called Raft. I don't know if you've ever played this game. Uh, no. But it is a post-apocalyptic game where, like, you know, global warming and now the Earth is all ocean. Oh, um, Waterworld. Yeah. Except not awful. And it's just, you start out floating on a raft, and you have to survive. The interesting thing is that you eventually now can find animals, including a form of chicken, and rescue them from rescue. You can, you know, get them from islands and put them on your raft. And, you know, keep them and farm them and stuff. But the thing is, the AI is not terribly bright. <laughs> so unless you have prepared ahead of time and, like, built pens and stuff to keep them properly contained, if you put the animal on the raft and then try to build the pen, the animals will just kind of wander off of the side of the raft and fall into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't find them quickly enough, they'll just drown. Oh. And so, like, I kind of was watching this back for the first time since starting to play that game. And, you know, so Teihei just, like, wanders off the edge of the boat, like, it's up in the ocean. Moana's like, ah, my chickens! Like, <laughs> dives into the ocean, try to keep it from drowning, and I was like, I have had this exact experience in rap so many times. <laughs> Diving after an idiot chicken <laughs> that isn't smart enough to know stay on the raft or else you're going to drown. So, yeah. So I felt for Moana deeply in that moment. Of like, no, you idiot chicken. And then, like, it keeps trying to walk off the side of the boat. And eventually she, like, puts it in the little you know, divot in the boat. It's like, no, and then it just kind of like walks in a circle and like keeps knocking into the side. I'm like, this is exactly what those darn chickens do in Raft. Because <laughs> you put them in the pen and it just kind of wanders into the, it bonks off the sides of the pen. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I swear that like the entire chicken AI in Raft is just built off of Hey Hey. <laughs> so, I, I don't know if that's true, but that game did come out after this movie, so it's probably true. Maybe. <sighs> but, yeah. That that made me laugh watching this movie. But I I, I love how the, uh, the ocean is just like, you know, darts Maui in the butt with... <laughs> Yep. The um I I do want to I do want to talk about uh Tamatoa just for like half a second. Right. Uh cuz love that scene. I I just I I don't know why we have a scene of like you know a crab singing a Bowie pastiche but thanks for that. And I mean, it's Jermaine Clement it's, it, it, so, is the, it is the closest we get to a straight villain in this movie. 
Yeah, he's the only one that's not an accidental villain. He's just like, no, no, no. I'm I'm going to eat you and steal your stuff. And put it on ju- my collection. Yeah. 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 I I will I will murder you and take your things. Don't, don't talk I'm to me a about monster. your grand. Don't talk to me about your grandmother. I ate my grandmother. <laughs> it took forever. She was huge. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. He's pretty much the closest thing to a, an actual villain, but. Also, he's completely inconsequential to the story. He's just a, a side note. Yeah, but, you know, he's just there so they can get the hook back. Yeah, and so that we can have Jermaine Clement doing a, a Bowie pastiche song for no reason. <laughs> you, If Lin-Manuel Miranda wants to write a Bowie pastiche, he's going to write a Bowie pastiche. <laughs> I have a feeling, though, that it was more like Lin-Manuel was like, um, Jermaine, I have to write a villain song for you. What do you want to do, Bowie? Uh, I've never done that before. Do you have anything? No, Bowie. Okay. All right, Jermaine. Goodbye. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's kind of probably how that went. If you're Lin-Manuel Miranda, please let us know about that. <laughs> yeah, if you are either Jermaine Clement or Lin-Manuel Miranda, please let us know how that went down. <laughs> because I would bet it was probably Jermaine Clement just wanting to do more Bowie jokes. Because I have seen Flight of the Concords, and I know <laughs> Jermaine Clement's penchant <laughs> for Bowie. Um, the thing, although Lin-Manuel Miranda is freaking awesome and cool and likes all of the same things I do so he probably also really likes Bowie stuff (laughs) every time Lin-Manuel Miranda goes hey look at the thing I'm into right now I'm like oh yeah no he and I have the exact same taste in everything so yeah but I I really I really just that that scene is hilarious and then we get the the um funny little after credits thing of like I bet if I had a Jamaican accent my name was Sebastian you'd be helping me but no yeah. no you're just gonna let me lie here on my back I hope we get to see more Tomatoa for no reason at all other than I like Jermaine Clement <laughs> I only I mean, I see there's a, again there is a Jermaine Moana Clement. series maybe they'll go back to that well, that's what I meant. Like, I, I only want to see that again if it's Jermaine Clement. If it's anybody else, I don't care. <laughs> Tomatoa is not an interesting character other than Jermaine Clement. I I like how much Moana is looked down on by Maui and then just proves herself over and over again. Whereas Maui does the whole, like, you know, I'm nothing without my hook or whatever. Then Moana's like... No, I'm just Moana, and I'm awesome because I'm gonna be awesome. I I don't need anything. I'm just me, and I'm gonna do stuff because I've decided to. Yeah, I'm gonna do with it because I want to do it, and you don't want me to do it. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah. and I do I do like um you you mentioned the dart in the butt. It's like the ocean is literally forcing Maui. To teach Moana how to sail. Yeah, you're not going to take over. You're just going to lie there and be a teacher, which I like. And I said, it's that humbling moment of he has to take instructions. He has to follow the 
teenage girl who's never left her island, who's never sailed a day in her life. It is a very, I mean, for a demigod, it has to be a very humbling experience. Yeah. But he eventually does, you know, step back and kind of realize his place in this story. And that's how he earns that tattoo. But I kind of like the thing of that while Moana has challenges to overcome, internally, she doesn't really need to earn anything other than just a little bit of confidence in herself. Once you they know? have that first big failure, the first encounter with Taka and, you know, Maui's hook is damaged and the boat is damaged and, you know, it's in Maui bails. There's that, that moment there where she is about to give up. She takes the heart, gives it to the others and find yourself another champion. It's not me. And she's about to just go home. And if the world is going to end, she at least wants to spend those last few moments with her family. And she hesitates. You know, right there as as the ghost of her grandmother is there in front of her saying, hey, if you want to go home, go home. And she just, she can't do it. She cannot, you know, knowing that there's no chance. You know, if she goes back there, she will die. But she cannot bring herself to end the journey. And, uh, and, and like you said, she is Moana and she's going to do awesome things because she is awesome. And sails the boat herself with the heart to do the job herself. And is that she just needed that realization within herself. You know, like you said, that, that, that confidence boost that the, as the spirits of, of her ancestors sail, ne- sail right next to her. You know, she's going to do it herself. I absolutely love that really her only kind of thing that she needed to learn was just that she didn't really need Maui for anything other than kind of like as a guide in the sense of literally show me where I have to go. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've never been to this place before. She, she needed him as like an Uber driver. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what she needed. But she didn't need him to actually complete the task. You know. And uh, that's what I said earlier. The, the the legend, as it was told to her, that it had to be Maui to return the heart. When it didn't need to be Maui to, ter- to return the heart. You know. She, and it it just it needed to be her to do it. Yeah. So I I don't know. I just I love everything about this this film and the way they do the characters and the character growth of these things. And I love that the chicken lives. The chicken lives. <laughs> yeah. The weird thing about the movie, I'm going to say this, is that all of the promotional material leading up to the movie did not feature Hey Hey. So all of the promotional materials and kids' books and all that stuff leading up to the movie featured the pig, Pua. And I assume at some point that was the plan, 
that the animal sidekick was going to be Pua. But I guess they found Alan Tudyk way too funny in recording that chicken dialogue that they just decided, you know what? We're just going to have Hey Hey be the animal sidekick for this movie. Well, also, Pua is just, like, as far as a voice, is just various pig recordings. Like, that's just real pig noises. Generic pig noise. Yeah. So, um, the reason you use, like, your your Alan Tudyk or, you know, one of your other great voice actors of Animal Noise fame is that they can give a human emotion that is specific to a scene. You can't just go up to an animal and be like, hey, can you give us scared chicken noise, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you'd actually have to like scare a chicken, or so, I mean, which is kind of unethical. I mean, they could have had another voice, another a voice actor voice Pua. Yeah, you know, could have um, brought in Frank Welker. Yeah, and but the thing is, is I don't know why they didn't do that. And the weird thing is, is I had kind of forgotten that she didn't take Pua on the journey in my rewatch, and I was like, oh yeah. The pig doesn't come along, does it? Because I also, I guess I just also remember seeing all the promotions where she's got the pig with her. Mm -hmm. And I guess it just sticks in my brain that like, oh yeah, it's, it's Moana. She's got the chicken and the pig. And then she doesn't really have the pig with her for much of the movie. Yeah, the pig just bows out, gets on the boat and is, nope, I am not leaving this island. Yeah, and so I don't really know why that decision was made either. The power of Alan Tudyk, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, I don't, like, did they just be like, hey, Alan, can you snort like a pig? And he just couldn't do that or something? Because I refuse yeah. to believe that. I refuse to believe that there is anything Alan Tudyk cannot do. So let's let's, let's wrap this up here. Does Moana have the magic of course ridiculous question <laughs> it, it really literally and figuratively this movie does indeed have magic. this is a really good movie uh definitely one of the best of the modern disney era yeah there there was at least one uh one uh reviewer said that this was a return to the renaissance so, it definitely feels like, like this could be a Disney Renaissance movie. Yeah. Um, I think that I would disagree with that because I think that this is probably the jewel of what I would call New Disney. And I would say that it's for all the things we've talked about. It's in the style that a lot of people would decry, I guess. But it's in Disney being a little bit more thoughtful in how they do things. We've got Disney branching out in cultures, in casting. You know, as much as we love the Disney villain tradition, I am liking that we're thinking a little more intentionally about that every story doesn't need just a mustache twirling villain that kids can think more complexly about problems 
I think that was always there. It's just that Disney had a mindset at the time, you know, that that Walt era up until, you know, the current era where it's like we need a we need a solid definition of who is the good guy and who is the bad guy. We talked about this last week with Three Musketeers. Yeah. That there needed to be a hard line divide. Now you have a bunch of new people coming in, a new blood. Really, it was the influx of Pixar where, you know, where where we had that moment where the head of Pixar was also running Disney Animation. And a lot of the Pixar people were kind of integrating into the Disney Animation and putting, getting their own, the nuances that were in the Pixar movies. Are you saying that Moana is what if volcanoes had feelings? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is that you had a lot of new animators, new storytellers that were brought up on the Pixar movies who are now taking that storytelling style and applying it into the Walt Disney animation movies. But yeah, what if volcanoes had feelings? (laughs) What if volcanoes had feelings? What if ocean? Um, what if the ocean had feelings? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I would say that this is the Disney formula without feeling formulaic, which is the the new Disney to me. Uh, the Disney revival era, as some fans have called it. Yeah, and I'm loving it. There's so much to dig into, and it's it's so good. I think that's all we can say on Moana then. So let's move on to next week. Speaking of Pixar, we're doing another Pixar movie next week. Monsters, Inc. What if the monster under the bed had feelings? Yeah. (laughs) At least I assume that's what it's going to be about, because this is a first watch for Kiki. This is that is going to make next week very interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I missed this one. Again, it's another I have some weird weird gaps in my in my Disney watch, but this is one of them. And uh, we'll go through that next week. Um so yeah, come back next week for Monsters Inc and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Go look up how Maui died. <laughs> don't let the magic stop here join our conversation online on facebook at rewatching the magic twitter at rewatch the magic and of course new episodes every week at rewatching the magic.podbean.com remember the magic is for everyone it only stops if you let it